Good morning. This morning we're uh, continuing our series on the life and ministry of the Old Testament prophets Elijah and Elisha. And in the Bible, prophets are called to speak on behalf of God himself. We often think of prophecy as predicting future events. But a better way to think about it is that prophecy brings the truth to bear on both our present and our future reality. Whatever we might be facing, prophecy speaks the truth of God to that circumstance. The text we have before us this morning is is really about being overwhelmed. What do you do when the events of your life seem to be really more than you can handle? I have a friend who's been facing this for um, really for the last few years. After 32 years of marriage, after working hard in a successful career, after raising two children, this friend and her husband were ready to really move into and enjoy their retirement together. They bought a house that they expected would be a gathering place for their children and for their grandchildren for many, many years to come. They were looking forward to entertaining family and friends. They had committed their time, their presence, and their finances to support a new church plant that was near their home. They were ready to travel, and they were looking forward to spending the rest of their lives together. But cancer had other plans for them. My friend has been widowed now for a little over a year, and her life isn't what she thought it would be. The years that she thought she'd have with her husband are gone. Her future is uncertain. On the good days, she's learning to face a new normal, and she would tell you that it's easier today than it was a year ago. But on the bad days, it is just simply more than she can bear. That's the kind of story that we're looking at this morning. One in which there are no easy answers. One that's difficult for us to understand. One that's impossible to bear. One that begs the question, what do we do when we're faced with more than we can handle? Please follow along as I read from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1-7. through The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small amount of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. And then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, set it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this story of your miraculous provision. And Father, as we sit here this morning, each of us facing um, questions, uncertainty, difficulty in our lives, Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear the promise and the goodness of your word this morning. Lord, that you would speak to our hearts the promise of truth that is found in Jesus. Amen. 
So a common response among most of us when people are suffering is to say, God will never give you more than you can handle. It's a phrase that is often said with the very best of intentions. When someone you know is suffering, we naturally want to say something that's going to lift their spirits, something that's going to bring them comfort, something that's going to assure them that they're not alone, something that is going to give them hope. But believe me, telling them that God will never give you more than, more than you can handle is the wrong thing to say. First and foremost, it simply isn't true. And most of us in our room have dealt with suffering that was more than we could handle. Right? Our own experiences tell us that that's not the way that, that life works. Some of us right now are suffering in ways that really are more than we can bear. And so to say that God will never give you more than you can handle is to deny the weight of that suffering. It implies that if you feel overwhelmed, it's not because your suffering is so great, but because you are weak. It has the potential to trivialize your pain, to cut you off from the life-giving help that you so desperately need. And so now I realize that having said that, there are some folks in, in this room who are sitting there thinking, you're like, well, I'm pretty sure I've said that to people before. And maybe, maybe you're thinking about that and you're feeling terrible going, well, I didn't, I didn't mean to hurt anyone. I, I thought I was saying something nice. So how do I fix this? Well, one of the things I would say is if, is if that's what you're thinking, if that's what you're feeling, you should relax. Right? You, shouldn't, you shouldn't beat yourself up over it. Because if you said that to someone, you meant well. Right? You were honestly trying to be helpful. And most likely the person that you said it to knew all of that when you said it. Um, fifteen years ago when my mother passed away, and again just fifteen months ago when my son was born prematurely, there were people who told me that God wouldn't give me more than I could handle. And I wasn't angry at those people, and I wasn't offended by what they said. Because even though I knew that wasn't true, I knew that they meant well, that they were speaking out of love, and they wanted to communicate to me comfort and support and help. But there's a better way. The Bible actually gives us a better story that we can tell. As I said earlier, prophecy isn't about bringing... Prophecy is about bringing the truth to bear on our present circumstances and our future reality. The reality of our lives is that God often allows for things that really are more than we can handle. In fact, because He loves us, He doesn't shield us from unbearable suffering, but rather He provides for us, even in the midst of suffering. God allows us to face more than we can handle. And once we realize that, it opens us up so that we can find true comfort and support and help. And so first, it opens us up to our own need. By allowing us to face circumstances that are more than we can handle, God opens us up to the reality and to the depth of our need. The widow in our story has recently lost her husband. In verse 1, she says, Your, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. And what this tells us is that her husband was a member of one of the prophetic groups that was under Elisha's care. It's likely that Elisha knew him personally, even if they weren't close friends. Right? So he knew this woman. He knew her husband. And she goes on to tell him that her husband's creditor was coming to take her sons as slaves. Now, it was a common practice in the ancient Near East to use children as collateral for securing a debt. Because after all, in that economy, children... And in particular, the work that they could do represented considerable value, both now and in the future. 
And so imagine how this woman must have felt. Her husband has just died. And apparently she has no family to come to her aid. And her husband's left behind a significant amount of debt. And without him, there's no one to make the payments. So she's likely going to lose her home. And on top of all of that, her sons are going to be sold into slavery. That's heartbreaking. And it's well more than she can handle. And so what does she do? She admits her need. She cries out to Elisha and she tells him what is happening to her. Recognizing that her circumstance was more than she could handle, she opens up to her need. It really opens her to her need. And so we see that her her salvation really begins with humility. It begins with admitting that she needs help. I have a good friend, um, an, an old roommate of mine, who has been in addiction recovery for 26 years. And like anyone who has struggled with addiction, his recovery began with admitting that he needed help. The first of the 12 steps in addiction recovery says, we admitted we were powerless over our addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. The missions partner that we have here with us this morning, Cornerstone Recovery, um, provides counseling and support and care for adolescents and young adults who are struggling with addiction, with abuse, with self-destructive behaviors. So if you come to the reception that's after church today, and I realize that's now the third plug for the reception today, so if you come to that, um, Elizabeth can tell you. She can tell you stories about recovery, and she can tell you about the absolute importance of the first step. The first step is about admitting our need. When we're suffering, it's normal to feel overwhelmed. But by admitting that our suffering is more than we can handle, we're also we're, we're open to admit our need, and it's once that we admit that, we're also able to receive help. Because when God allows something that's more than we can handle, it not only opens us up to our need, but it opens us up to our community. By sharing our need, we build important and life-sustaining relationships with other people. In verses 3 and 4, Elisha said to the widow, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour all the oil into the jars as each is filled. Put uh, put it to one side. And so do you see what Elisha is doing here? He tells the widow to reach out to her community, to her neighbors. But he doesn't say, go to your closest neighbors or to some of your neighbors. Don't just go to the neighbors you like or to the ones who like you. He says, go to all of them. Um, there's, a, <clears throat> there's a TV show called Parks and Recreation. And if you've, if you've seen Parks and Rec, you know that it is about the, the Parks and Recreation Department in this small fictional town of Pawnee, Indiana. And the director of Parks and Rec is this guy named Ron Swanson. And if you've never seen the show, the thing that you need to understand about Ron Swanson is that he is a man's man. He eats meat, he loves guns, and he enjoys being alone. That is who he is. And so there's an episode where Ron goes into this diner and he orders a steak. And the waiter comes out and he puts in front of him this plate that has like this dry baked potato and some green beans and some indiscernible piece of meat. And so he looks at it and he goes, this, this isn't a steak. Why, why, would you call that, why would you call it that on your menu? And the waiter kind of looks and goes, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. And so Ron puts down his fork and his knife and he sighs and he goes, okay, just give me all the bacon and eggs you have. 
And the waiter turns to place the order and Ron stops him and he goes, wait, wait, I'm worried that what you just heard was, give me a lot of bacon and eggs. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Do you understand? Ron's order in this situation is absurd because it is so big. Right? Give me all the bacon and eggs that you have. And in the same way, Elisha's instructions to this widow are difficult because they're so big. Go to all of your neighbors, not just some of them, or even to most of them, but to all of them. So imagine if I told you to go and ask your neighbors for all their Tupperware. Immediately you can think of the people that it would be easy to ask. That's not a problem. That's not hard. But you can't just ask those neighbors. You've got to go to all of them. That might mean going to a neighbor that you've had a falling out with. It might mean going to a neighbor that you've never met. And maybe you've lived right across the street from, other, from each other for years and you've never met them. And now your first impression is going to be going and asking them for all their Tupperware. Right? Is that the first impression you want to have? Hey, I'm your neighbor. Give me all your Tupperware. And those are the same kind of challenges that this widow is facing. This is going to be really uncomfortable for her. This means going to neighbors that she might not like, people who might not like her. It means admitting her need to people who might be judgmental, uncaring, or unkind. People who may whisper behind her back about her or her husband or her children. And yet this is not only the way, um, and, sorry, and yet this is the only way to invite her community into the story. Not only did the widow have to admit her need and to cry out to Elisha, but now she had to share her need with every single person in her community. So this meant telling everyone that the loss of her husband was more than she could handle. There's no stiff upper lip here. There's no illusion that she has it all together. This is risky and it's difficult. And it opened, it, it opened her up to the possibility of rejection and gossip. But in doing this, God is reminding this widow that she's not alone. And this action is cultivating honest relationships that would be primed for the testimony of God's provisions that will follow. As we see the miracle unfold, we realize that the extent to which the widow humbled herself and asked for help is directly tied to the extent of the help she receives. She went into her house and she began pouring oil into jars until there were no jars left. And only when they had run out of jars did the, did the flow of oil stop. And Elisha then said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left. So in other words, the widow didn't, if the widow didn't have enough oil, it's going to be because she didn't ask for enough jars. When I was in seminary, Liz and I had this old station wagon that was in the shop about as often as it was running. And, and while it was expensive to own an unreliable car, um, we also really couldn't afford to replace it. And so for my last three years of seminary, we prayed that God would keep this car running until I graduated. And the amazing part of that is that God answered our prayer. And this car made it to graduation. And just one month later, it completely and utterly fell apart. And so right in the midst of trying to move from St. Louis to Texas, we had to go and shop for a new car. And at the time, we joked. We're like, you know, maybe we should have asked for a little bit more. Maybe we should have been a little bit more bold in our prayer. Maybe we should have asked for the car to make it until I had a job and we were settled in a new place. And the point is, is that often we know that God can provide, but we're not always sure that he will provide. 
facing circumstances that are more than we can handle doesn't just open us up to our need and to our community, but it opens us up to the mercy of God. When we're wrestling with something that we can't handle, God prepares us to receive His mercy. God is the one who filled every single jar with oil. By the time the widow and her sons were finished, there was no doubt that they belonged to a God who is faithful and to a God who provides. Imagine the testimony that she could now share with every single one of her neighbors. Imagine the widow going back and saying, hey, let me tell you what happened to those jars. This is a testimony of God's faithfulness that now she gets to tell everyone. The mercy of God is really the same today as it was for the widow in that story. God will allow events into our lives that are more than we can handle. And we know that this is true. Many of you know that my son Finn was born at, at, at 25 weeks. And, and I've shared this before up here, and there's kind of two things you have to deal with in that. Is that one, you know, I'm a new dad, and so I like to talk about my son. Um, <clears throat> and his is a story that I hope I never get tired of telling. He was born at 25 weeks. He, paid, he weighed 1 pound 13 ounces. And he had to immediately be put on a ventilator. And for 109 days, my wife Liz and I watched and we waited while our son fought for his life. We couldn't do anything to help him. And so we had to admit that this was more than we could handle. And immediately, we were assured that we were not alone. This community of people surrounded us and cared for us and fed us and prayed for us and provided us provided for us in ways that we that we can never repay. And it's humbling. And it's amazing. And it is something for which we will always be grateful. We will tell this story and we'll talk about God's provision through his people. I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for the love and the care of people in this very room. And yet, God's promise is bigger. God's promise is bigger than just a room full of people. We received prayers and encouragement, not just from this church, but from family and from friends and from total strangers around the world. People all over the United States, people in Australia, people in the Middle East, Japan, Europe, South America, Africa, were praying for our son. Right? And his life is a miracle. In the last year since he was born, Liz and I have learned that she has a condition that should have made it, enti- that, that should have made it impossible for her to ever even get pregnant. And she was never going to be able to carry a baby to term. And yet, despite those odds, we have a son. And he's a living testament to the goodness and the mercy of God. Because while God does indeed send us things that we can't handle, he never sends us something that he can't handle. And even now, many of us are right in the middle of something that we can't handle. Something that's too big, too painful, too overwhelming. It might be an illness or a disease that seems to be winning. Maybe it's a loved one who's suffering and you feel powerless to help them. It could be uncertainty in your job, difficulty in your marriage, feelings of loneliness or depression that you can't escape. Our lives are full of things that we can't handle. But the widow's oil tells us a better story. Our weakness, our brokenness, our failure and our need are opportunities for God to show his strength. 
the debts that we can't pay are paid by God Himself. Because miracles are redemptive. They point forward to a restoration of the brokenness in our lives. Sickness, death, hunger, and poverty are not part of how the world is supposed to work. And they're not a part of how the world will be. Bringing the truth to bear means declaring that things are not the way they should be and they're not the way that they will be. In going to the cross, Jesus took on a burden that we could never bear. He took on something that is more than we could ever handle. His life was poured out until there was nothing left. By his death, Jesus paid the debt that we owe, a debt that we could never repay. By his resurrection, he secured a victory that could never be undone. And when he comes again, he will take away every pain that we feel, and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Right after our son was born, we have a, a, a friend from Lebanon who sent us an email with a prayer and some words of encouragement. And um, that prayer and those words of encouragement were a lifeline to us, but the thing that we clung to was at the end of that email, he, he signed it with three words. God is able. And those three words were something that we clung to the entire time that, that our son was in the hospital. It was something that every time we posted something on Caring Bridge, we ended with that. Um, some friends of ours in St. Louis gave us a, um, a picture to put in his room that says God is able so that we won't ever forget. I mean, it's, it's become the way that I sign most emails now, this, this continual reminder that God is able. If I tell you that God will never send you more than you can handle, then I'm telling you to work harder. Don't give up, because it's up to you to make things better. But if I tell you that God will never send you more than He can handle, I'm telling you that there's more to the story. Because He doesn't give up, things will get better. Because God is able. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are able. Lord, that you, you see us in the midst of our brokenness and our need. You see us at our worst and our weakest. Lord, you see better than we do the depth of our brokenness and need, and you come to us in those places to stand with us and to stand for us that we might be made whole washed clean by the blood of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.